You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. morning church can we give thanks to our worship band for leading us thank you so much for being here this morning i'm so glad that you're here and that you came if this is your first time we're glad to have you you can open up your bible if you have one to luke chapter 6 Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be, but as you're turning there, I want to spend a little time praising God. Are you guys okay with that um, for us today? Um, we're so thankful that the Lord has brought us here together, and honestly, that he's handpicked all of you. So we, uh, we are incredibly thankful. I want to tell you that if you're here today, um, it's a unique opportunity. The Lord has brought you here on purpose. It's not by mistake, and the people that he's brought into this room are the ones that he wants to be here, and maybe never again will the people in this room all be in this room together at the same time and we're grateful for how unique of an opportunity this is. I'm also grateful for the unique opportunity and celebration that we have in our grand opening of our student space. Can we please give a round of applause to everyone who has given countless hours of time to make that space ready and a reality. I was gonna get into thanking people and then I thought I better not do that because then I'll get myself in trouble because there are so many people who have invested time and energy and effort into that space and uh, small and big ways. And I want you, if you know someone who has given time to that space, I want you to thank them personally. Also, I want you to give a round of applause to everyone who's made today a special day, all the balloons, all the food. Um, it's a celebratory day, but I know that some people will have some glitter in their lungs uh, for the next week. Um, and so uh, we're grateful that they laid uh, down their life for us uh, today. Um, but with all sincerity, um, I have never been a part of a church like this that volunteers so readily, uses their skills, um, their gifts, their time, their talents late into the night. I think Chad and I probably set the precedence of being uh, late nighters. Um, and so we have people here working till like new, uh, midnight, uh, 2 a.m. and it's like nothing. And I'm like, man, you guys go hard. Like we got a church that goes hard. You know what I mean? And uh, we've set that precedence. Uh, it's awesome, but our church is probably going to eventually be tired, okay, and uh, we're all going to need to sleep, and, um, and so I'm thankful with all sincerity. Thank you guys so much um, for how the Lord has used you in so many different ways leading up to today, and what a special day as we celebrate this together, and I want to be clear, for a little while before we get into the text, we usually will get in a little bit quicker. I want to like obnoxiously spend some time bragging on the Lord. Like, I want to spend a little bit of time to where you start to get antsy. Like, okay, what are we actually studying today? And at that point, just know that we're just like scratching the surface of how much praise and glory and honor we really should um, give due to the Lord, right? We could sit here and spend all day extending our praise, our worship, our hearts to Him, but the Lord has done so much over the past three years. I mean, He's done it, right? He started the field church. Right? This is what he has done. You see, he's accomplished all of it. He's done it. Listen, he originated it before the beginning of time. You know that? 
He planned to use it to advance his gospel. That was his plan before the beginning of the time. He had the strategy, right, to make us part of his global historical mission to save a people for his glory, right, this incredible adventure of a mission. He gave us the mission by laying it on our hearts. He laid it on our hearts. He knew who he would reach through it. He knew that you would be sitting in this room today at three years. He chose the location, the start date, he gave the laborers for it. He gave the energy, which we needed a lot of, the capacity, which we didn't have, the vision and the resources, all of which we lacked, which is why he sustained it. He protected it. He's used it. He's grown it like in Acts chapter two is adding to the number day by day. Those are being saved. And we are foundationally thankful that he has used his word and his spirit to do all the work. Listen, there's nothing more that I want to do today. There's nothing more that I want to do today than to give him all the glory and all the praise for his great work. Listen, to him be the glory. And if you walk away with nothing else today, I want you to see a big God who does incredible things. Like that's the point. To him be the glory. Listen, this church is a visible manifestation of the greatness, the set-apartness of God. It's a visible, so you can see it, manifestation shown how great God is, how set-apart he is. Like when you look at our church, you should see how great God is when you observe all that he has done. All that he has done in the life of our church. Listen, when we look back, when we look currently, when we look into the future, think about this. What we see is his strength. We see his power. We see his grace. We see his love, the power of his word. We see his spirit moving. We see his wisdom, because you know we didn't have any, especially Chad, right? I got a little bit, but he's got, no, just kidding. He's the wise one, actually. We see God's saving work, God's saving power. We see his supremacy. He's above all things. We see his authority. We see Jesus's reign and rule. We see his possession, which is everything. His provision to give us anything. The majesty of God, the gospel that goes forth. He gives the faith. It's his holiness that we look to. He has done all the work. We see this all throughout scripture. Listen, and I hope you're captivated when you see the name of the Lord exalted. Look at this in Psalm 113, one through five. Just let this sink into your heart. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of who? The Lord for this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be Praise, the Lord is high above all nations, right? His glory is above the heavens. Who is like our God who is seated on high? What we see in Psalm 138, one through six, it says this, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things. What is he exalted above all things? His name and his word. On the day I called you, you answered me. What we just sang. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth, those who are powerful, right, shall give thanks to you, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. They should sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, look at what he's done for us even. He regards, he has regarded the lowly. 
Oh, church, how we could sit and give him glory all day. We could sit and give him praise all day. Listen, this is what he declares of himself, which is why it's endless uh, uh, amount of praise that we can give him. Look at Isaiah 55, nine. I mean, soak it in. I hope you're like fire hose is coming right at your face with just the greatness of God. Look at this. For as the heavens are as a, a higher than the earth, so are my ways. This is what God says about himself. Then yours. For my thoughts, then your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that be that goes out from my mouth. Listen, him and his word does all the work. It shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish when it goes out. That's all we've done is just sent out his word. He's done all the work and shall succeed for which in the thing that I sent it. Listen, his ways, what he has done, his great work, his great word. And what we're doing today is like in the Old Testament. You remember when they set up stones of remembrance, like in Joshua chapter four, remembering the great and mighty works that the Lord has done. That's what we're doing today. We're setting up a stone year three. Look at what the Lord has done, a memorial to the wonderful things the Lord has done. Listen, and today, like every day, with creation and with scripture, as Psalm 119 says, or Psalm 19 says, we give praise to the Lord. We give glory to God for he is good and he has done good things. And church, what I wanna show you is he's just made us part of his mission. Like I give you all of this great thing, uh, this great uh, word of what God has done and what he has worked in the life of our church, but I don't want you to be mistaken. You see, listen, we're not merely celebrating in the fact that God has accomplished our goals. Like I want you to see this. What we're celebrating today is that not that God has created the field church. Like he, he didn't create the church, this church in some way to graciously support our mission. And we're saying, thank you God for supporting our mission. Like we had the idea and you have just graciously provided for us. Listen, like he's a great means to our end. See, we're not saying that. Listen, throughout all of history, throughout all of eternity past, this holy and great God has done everything out of nothing, accomplishing a mission that will go on into eternity. And he's just made us a small part of it. He's made you a small part of it. He has been so kind to bring us into this mission. It's his eternal mission. We're just a piece of it. That makes him look great and us look like we're just a piece, right? And that's what we want to do, give him all the praise, but make no mistake, listen, through this little old church, he's done incredible things. You want to know what he's done? He sold, he, he saved souls for eternity. Souls have been saved for all of eternity to be with God from every age group. You see the kids, like we got kids in this church, right? Like we got a lot of kids, right? Even kids have trusted in the Lord, they can. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. We have seen people change. We have seen the dynamic and the direction of families forever changed. We've seen reconciliation in relationships. We've seen saved marriages. We've seen freedom from addiction. We've seen lives saved from suicide. We've seen ministers equipped with the gospel. Like we're gonna show you tonight as we celebrate the ordination of three of our guys. We've seen an example, the Lord has used us as an example to other church planters in the area. 
We have seen people learn the truth and the scope of God's word and his historical saving work. He's created in people through this church good theology, which matters because that means that we believe the right things about God and the things of God and the gospel and how to interpret his word rightly. Some of us has come in like I did as a Christian Bible illiterate. Like I've been a Christian for a little while and I got no idea what the Bible means or says. No one's ever taught it to me. We've seen people learn rightly how to interpret. We've seen them equip laborers and servants, people who will share the gospel with the people in their own worlds. We've seen a a loving church family that at least pretends to love each other, right? Just kidding. You guys love each other, you hang out. We've seen God counsel people through some of the most difficult hardships, heal sicknesses, send missionaries to the world, free people from plaguing sin, and answer countless amount of prayer. Can we give God praise and honor and glory? And church, as we close this out, what's so amazing about all of this is that he's done all of it through such humble means. He's advanced his mission through humble means. He uses humble means to accomplish his mission. Listen, church, when you see how great this God is, what you need to know is that he's used men and women who aren't anything profound or special. We're not anything great. He hasn't used the religiously elite or the perfect. We aren't righteous in our own right. We're fools. Most of us don't even want to show the real us because we feel like our world's falling apart. How many times over the course of these three years that I believe, okay, God, we're done. I'm a mess. And uh, you'll have to pick somebody else. I've thought that a lot about Chad, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy to pick on because I love him so much. He's used us in spite of our weaknesses. You see, he accomplishes his mission through those who don't have the ability in themselves to accomplish any eternal things in the hearts of people. We don't have any ability. We aren't any special. He does the work and it magnifies his grace. You see, he's accomplished his mission through humble means and that's how he chooses to do it. That's how his mission goes forth. And listen, church, as we reflect on that for us today, God would just so have it in his sovereignty as we make our way through the book of Luke just to make sure he puts his stamp on it to say, yeah, you really are nothing. You really are a humble means which I have used. Today, we find ourselves smack dab in the story, a section of the book of Luke, where that's the main point. In his sovereignty, that's where he's brought us this morning, that Jesus's gospel will advance through humble means. (laughs) If he didn't just want to put it in our face today, right? Out of love. He's done it. But this is what we're going to see today. Listen, that Jesus's gospel will advance through humble means. And here's my prayer before we read. My prayer is that you would be completely blown away by the gospel, because it's a gospel of mercy and compassion. It's a gospel of love from the God of the universe, that you'd be completely blown away by the message of mercy and compassion in the gospel. Blown away by this gospel that saves, listen, saves the lowly and the sinner, and uses the lowly and the sinner. Blown away by Jesus, 
Because if he uses the lowly and the sinner, then what we see is that he actually drives the force. He, he does the work. He completes the mission, which is why he can use such ordinary people. We'd be amazed by him. And, and that today, listen, that you would be full of hope. If you feel that, that life is pointless, if you don't have a mission, if you're looking for a, a, a reason to go forth, if you're looking for a future, a promise, a purpose of your life, listen, if you feel inadequate to be used by the God of the universe, today gives us hope that he will use all of us, ordinary people, to accomplish an eternal mission, to set forth his gospel of grace so that people can be saved. You're superheroes. He's using you on a mission to save the world. And he uses ordinary people to do this. No matter how ordinary, inadequate, sinful, failure-ridden, insecure, skillless that you feel, God can use you. He will use you. If you will let him use you, God will use you. So let's pray. Let's ask God to show us how we could be part of his mission, no matter how ordinary we feel. Father, we come before you this morning. And God, we just, we need you. God, we need you so bad because you're the strong one. You're the mighty one. To you be all the glory. God, you made us part of your mission. And we're just a piece and yet you use us to do significant eternal things. God, not only that, but we know that you use humble means. We, we need you and we wanna be used by you, but so often we feel like we can't be or that our life is over, or that we've lost our chance or that we're too ordinary or that we need the right education or the right training. We need the right skill set. We need to be more religious. God, I pray that you would show us today how you use humble and ordinary means to accomplish your mission. Jesus, you came forth humble and hidden. You came forth from Bethlehem to be born in a manger. And you would advance your cause through your humanity, your humble and hiddenness. And yet, God, you will choose those who are humble and hidden of this world, the lowly, the ordinary, to advance your great gospel of grace to the ends of the earth for all of eternity. God, we ask that you would show us today that we would look to you to be a part of your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in Luke chapter six already, let's start to read, okay? Verses 12 through 16. Hopefully you're already there. Verses 12 through 16, y'all ready? All right, I think that's a yes. All right. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples. And he chose them from the 12. And he chose from them 12, my bad, whom he, turned, he, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter. And Andrew, his brother. And James and John and Philip and Bartholomew. And Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. 
What an incredible passage. Just a few verses, but so much packed in here. Stay with me. This is the time where your eyes will be on the text. My encouragement is that I want you to fall in love with the scriptures, to see them more than you see me, right? I want you to look at them. I want you to rightly understand how to, how to see them, how to interpret them. That's how you'll grow uh, with longevity in your faith. And so I want you to do more than just listen to me. I want you to see it. But before we actually look at what's here, for just about a minute, let me tell you how we've gotten to this place of this text, okay? What Jesus has been doing in his ministry thus far is he's been showing who he is as the son of God so that people would believe and so receive salvation. People's salvation were dependent upon them believing that Jesus is the son of God. So in order to do this, in order to show that he really is the divine son of God, here's what he's doing. He is showing his divine characteristics. One of those characteristics back in chapter five is that he has the divine authority to forgive sins. Like who can forgive sins? Jesus, the son of God, that's who. And he goes on to the people watching who are there and to us. He answers the question, now, okay, if he can forgive sins, whose sins are, is he going to forgive, right? Like, uh, tell us who can, can be counted into this. And what we see as he describes in the later passages is that here are the people, these are the people whom, whom, in whom he will forgive. He will forgive sinners, people who know they're not righteous, people who need a savior, People who know they're sick and that they're, they're desperate for the salvation that Jesus provides through his atoning work on the cross. This, this, is, this is the people. These are the people that are desperate for God's salvation who Jesus will save. And Jesus explains this because the Jewish people are perplexed especially the Pharisees. Like this doesn't make any sense because they've tried their whole life to be the religious elite. And the sinners, the ones who have fallen short have been desperate. And Jesus says, indeed, you should be perplexed because this is the new way. And he describes it, that this is what will happen. He, Jesus, will uphold the moral law, but he will do away with the ceremonial law. He will be perfect in every way on our behalf. And instead of us trusting in any ceremonies or rituals or religious acts or moral code, what we will do is trust in him as savior and be saved from our sins. This is how this is gonna work. And he says, you must trust in this salvation my salvation for your salvation. Because listen, what doesn't work is trusting in your works and trusting in Jesus at the same time. They're incompatible. They're incompatible. We wholly throw ourselves upon Jesus, saying, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness. Jesus, will you save me? And we're atoned for, our, our sins are atoned for by his blood alone. Listen, it probably won't work like this, but if you make your way into heaven and God says to you, hey, listen, what have you done that you should enter into my kingdom? When you die, when we all face judgment, right? You don't make a way because you earned it. Like you're gonna see God face to face. And when God says, listen, what have you done that you should come into my kingdom for all of eternity? There's only one answer. And the answer displays that you truly trust in Jesus is I have done nothing that you should let me in. But Jesus paid the price for my sin. That's wholly trusting, wholly throwing yourself upon the atonement, the work, the merit of the Savior. And listen, this is what he's moving forth. This is the new wine. It's incompatible with the old wineskins. And so Jesus is showing that we must fully trust in him and his forgiveness and uh, for our right standing with God. But then listen, the Pharisees show up. And so what Jesus does is he intentionally displays this truth in front of them, because why? Who are the Pharisees? They're the ones who still believe they could save themselves by their own religious works. 
And so he primarily picks a Sabbath day because listen, the Sabbath day, that was one of the, the greatest works that the Pharisees could do in order to earn their own salvation. And so what Jesus does is he puts forth his gospel, his message of human need, of divine mercy, of divine compassion through his work alone, the gospel. And he is showing how this takes precedence over any ceremonial religious law. His new way, trusting in the Savior, is the way for salvation, period. And listen, let me tell you, the Pharisees aren't too happy. Actually, they're irate, right? But Jesus has got this way of like, when people are upset, like just pushing it in more. You know what I mean? Like when they're like ready to kill him already, he's like, let me just press this in even further so you understand. He ain't scared. And what he does is he displays that not only will this gospel save sinners, but this gospel will be advanced by sinners. And this is where we find ourselves today. The gospel does not only save the lowly sinner, but it will be advanced through the same. The gospel is for sinners. So if you find yourself waist deep in sin today, listen, I know in a crowd this size, I just know how sin works. If you find yourself, wait, look at me, just out of love, out of compassion, if you find yourself waist deep in sin today, you have hope because the gospel saves sinners and it changes sinners. You have hope. And listen, if the gospel is working in your life and you still feel inadequate, let me tell you, you have hope to be used by the almighty God because this gospel is for sinners and this gospel message will be carried out by sinners, by redeemed sinners. And so here's what we see. Jesus will advance his mission through humble means. How do we see this? Let's walk through it. The gospel of mercy and compassion will advance through humble means. Shows us how. Number one, the only two points. Number one, Jesus humbly depends upon the Father to advance his message. The first thing that we see in our passage, listen, as we look at this, is that Jesus humbly depends upon the Father to advance his mission. Listen, what will happen is the gospel will go forth through humble means, and we see now the first picture. Jesus humbly depends upon the Father to advance his message. This is how he chooses to advance it right? This is how he's going to advance it. You see verse 12. Can you look at it with me? Verse 12. As we see it, we see it says it starts with, we're going to walk through it in these days. Once again, this time reference is vague. Why? Because Luke isn't drawing the attention to the exact sequence or timeline, right? Lest we draw our attention to it. What he's emphasizing is something else. It's found elsewhere. It's actually upon what's happening. And what's happening? Well, what's happening is Far more important. It says this. Look at the text. He went out, right, to the mountain to do what? Pray. He went out. Like, you ever ask the question of the text? Like, you should ask questions like, where did he go out from, right? Like, he went out from what? Well, he went out from being surrounded by people from being surrounded by this important work, from the hustle of ministry, from the work of his mighty hands. And although God, listen, although he was God, although he is God, he is showing us, Jesus is showing us his humanity here, a vital aspect of his coming, that he would not depend on himself alone like one who is self-sufficient, although he is. But what he's doing is he's showing completely contrary to how the Pharisees 
would go about advancing his mission, right? He's showing the contradictory nature of himself and the Pharisees, showing the essence of how his mission will advance. We hear the Bible. It's a good thing it's the Bible. I'm just kidding. It happens to me all the time and wherever it came from. Listen, Jesus came into the world humbly. I wanna show you this, hidden. As the son of man, he would live humbly, dependent upon his father, and he would advance his mission through humble means. So he went out, look at the text, ready? He went out, where did he go out to? He went out to the mountain. Which mountain, we don't know, but what we do know is that he went out into isolation to be with the only one who matters, the only one who could do anything of value. We see this, that he went out to the mountain to do what? To pray. The Son of God, listen, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the earth, what he did was humbly depend upon his Father to advance his mission, to refuel, to rest, to set his sights in worship, and no question to ask for what he was about to do, which we're gonna see in a minute. Listen, you know, when you read the scriptures, um, especially in the Gospels, you can see parallel accounts in the other Gospels oftentimes. And we can get kind of bits and pieces of information that maybe we don't see in one of the accounts in the other accounts. And so what we see in Mark chapter three and Matthew chapter 10 from these accounts, what we don't see is anything further as to what makes up the content of his prayer. But what we know is he's about to choose his 12 apostles. And so what we can infer is that Jesus is dependent upon the Father to choose whom he will send forth for the gospel. Look at verse 12. I wanna show you the extent of his dependence upon God. We're moving through it. Look at this. He continued how long? All night in prayer. I mean, picture this. A couple of aspects stand out. First, the extent of his humble need for God. Think about this. Have you ever prayed all night? Raise your hand. All right. Good, all right? Like, I, I have not. Because, listen, I, I, I'm not even aware of, of how great my need is sometimes from the Lord. But this is what Jesus is showing us, the greatness, the, the, the humility, how much he greatly needs the Lord. And like the Pharisees would be in the opposite way. They don't need God, but he shows the extent of his humility through his dependence upon the Father. And listen, one of the additional reasons why he probably spends all night is because the Pharisees were actually about to kill him. And so what was gonna happen is he was gonna have to pick 12 men to bring this mission forth. And so to, again, to advance his mission, he is dependent upon the Lord. Listen, such humility, such submission, such dependence. Listen, we see pictures of this from Jesus later on. Look it up on the screen, Matthew 26, 39. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup, he was talking about his death, pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's humble, dependent. Philippians 2.8, look at this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. John 6.38, for I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Such humility, such submission, such dependence. And who is he praying to at the end of verse 12? God. Now, you might take that for granted, but Luke makes it clear. 
This is who he depends on. Listen, church, Jesus displays that his gospel will advance through humble means, specifically in this section, through dependent prayer upon God. And church, I don't know where you're at, if you're a Christian or exploring, or if you've been following the Lord for a long time, but do you wanna be used by God to advance his mission? Do you wanna be used by God to advance the gospel? I wanna tell you that it's not gonna be through greatness and through your own strength and merit and power. He will use you if you will humbly submit to him and pray and ask for his help. It won't be through the strong, it'll be through the weak. It won't be through our power, it'll be through God's. Remember when Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses eight through 10, pleads with the Lord to take away his messenger of Satan, his weakness, and what did God said? Let's look at it. Three times Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. You got weakness like him? But look what he says. Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am what? Because God does the work. God's grace and power would be sufficient for Paul to complete his course of ministry. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9, Paul knew. What is Apollos and what is Paul's servants of the, through whom you believe? That's all we are. I planted and Apollos watered, but who gives the growth? God. You guys remember Moses? Right, like the dude couldn't talk. And God charged him to go talk to Pharaoh. You remember David? He was the smallest of his brothers. You remember Abraham? He's older than old, right? And God was going to call these people to advance his name, his people to the ends of the earth. You see, what we see from Jesus here is, is not anything really new in the fact that God advances his mission through humble and hidden means, specifically through dependence in prayer. And so church, here's my encouragement to you. I encourage you to depend on God through prayer and allow him to use your life to advance his gospel mission. Depend on him through prayer and allow him to use your life to advance his gospel mission. Look at what 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says before we move on to point two. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, not figure out how they can get enough strength, not figure out how they can do it on their own, but if we'll just humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he's gonna hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land. He will use us in our prayer. Jesus displays that he's, his message, his gospel will advance through humble means. Listen, this should be a great encouragement to us. So my prayer is that you too would humble yourself before the Lord like Jesus and let him use you. Number two, what we see in our passage and lastly, is that Jesus chooses ordinary men to advance his message. Listen, the first is that Jesus humbly depends on the Father to advance his message. That's the first humble means that he shows us. 
He humbly depends on the Father in prayer to advance this mission. This is how he chooses to do it. And then secondly, Jesus chooses 12 ordinary men to advance his message. Like, this ain't a good plan, God, right? Like, I wouldn't choose this way. You hold all the power in the universe. Like, do something else. But this is what he chooses. Look at verse 13. We're gonna walk through the end of this. Verse 13, when day came, Jesus called his disciples. Now what you need to understand is that these people, the disciples, the first word he uses, disciples there, these are people who will attach themselves to Jesus and they're followers of him. A disciple in this time was a student, but in the first century, listen, students didn't just study a subject. Like he didn't just go into class, Jesus teaches it. He says, I see you later, I'll see you later. And then we leave. Listen, in, in the first century, what you did if you were a student or a disciple is that you would follow a teacher. You would live among a teacher, right? And this is what we see. We see that these men are not going to be just students. They are going to be disciples, right? And we can ask ourselves the same question. Am I a student of Christianity or am I a disciple of Christ, right? And this is what we see from here, verse 13. But out of those disciples, he chose how many? 12, whom he named what? Apostles. Now, this is significant, listen, because this is the number of the tribes of Israel, which indicates that this is how he's establishing true Israel, his people, the ultimate leading of these men and the men whom they will lead and reach to the ultimate promised land, which is where? Heaven. So this is what he's showing. But listen, the specific term apostle, did you know, is derived from the verb to what? To send. This is what it means. Listen, the apostle, the word apostle is derived from the verb that means to send, someone who is sent. Now listen, this is important because it's getting us to our point. An apostle is a messenger more than anything else. Look at Mark 3, 14, same account. We see what they were given um, direction to do. Listen, look at what they said, look at what it says. It says, he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they might be with him and might send them out to do what? They're sent ones, they're messengers. That's the very core of their names. And so what we see from this gets us to the point that this is not about anything else except his mission going forth because these are sent ones, messengers and whom he's choosing to get his message out to the world with are these humble men. Listen, they're not humble because they think they're humble. Some of them were actually pretty prideful, but they're humble in the sense that they're not really more than anything ordinary. As we make our way down our list, listen, as you see in verses 14 through 16, as we make our way down our list and close this out, we find that individually, some of these men had certain skills. Some of them did. Some of them had certain positions. But on the whole, listen, they were not widely wealthy or influential or famous, right? They didn't have special education. They were commonplace. Listen, on the whole, they were probably more or less, probably less than average, right? As if Jesus says, just give me 12 ordinary men and I'm gonna change the world. Like the work that Jesus has in his hands is not going to advance through those who the world would call great. 
but the hands of the ordinary people like ourselves. Listen, to be specific on the list, we got four fishermen, we got one tax collector, we got one who's gonna be a trader, and really the occupations or the accomplishments of the others, we're really not too sure about. That's how ordinary they are, right? We don't see one scribe, we don't see a Pharisee, we don't see a priest, we don't see a rabbi, and we don't see a Sadducees. Listen, not because God couldn't use them, because they rejected him and they were the religious elitists who didn't wanna be part of his mission, the ordinary ones God chose. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. Look, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where's the debater of the sage? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who would believe. No, Jesus didn't choose the religious elite to advance his mission. You know who he chose? Ordinary men to do extraordinary things. Jesus once again displays that his gospel will advance through humble means. Listen, in regards to the list, and we're, all, and we're done, to identify just a few notes because we don't have time to go through the names, although I wish that we could. We see Peter, we'll just name a couple. Peter, you guys know that first name, Peter? Probably everybody in this room knows Peter. Well, can I tell you, he's made some of the greatest blunders, like he cut a dude's ear off Jesus had to put his hand on his shoulder and say, that ain't the way we're gonna do this, okay? Like we're doing this through love, not chopping people's ears off, okay? And then most famously, he denied the Lord how many times? Three. And then we see Andrew. Andrew is commonly and most always referred to as second on a list to his brother, Peter. Like how'd you like to be Andrew? Like you're never just called Andrew by yourself. You're always referred to as Peter's brother. Right? Like, and then we see Matthew, Levi, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot. Matthew, Levi, the tax collector, the one who's abandoned the Jewish people to work for the Romans, to collect taxes and extort people. And then Simon, the zealot, who is the one for the Jews, given the charge to assassinate anybody who has forsaken the Jews and worked for the Romans, right? Working together. Like, Jesus, this ain't a good mixture, right? And then doubting Thomas, right? This is the last one. Like, need we say more? <laughs> These are the ordinary lowly men in church. Listen, Jesus is displaying that his gospel will advance through humble means. And I wonder if you think your life is too ordinary to be used by him. I wonder if as we close this today that you think once you get to an extraordinary place in your relationship with Jesus, God will use you. And what I wanna tell you is that's a trick of Satan. God will use humble means to advance his mission. My encouragement to you is to depend on him in prayer and allow God's power to use you no matter how ordinary you feel right now. In your ordinary days, in your ordinary workplace, in your ordinary agenda, throughout life, allow him to use you. You see, this is how Jesus always planned to advance his mission. He humbly went to the cross and his gospel would advance through his work. And we humbly receive his salvation and his gospel advances through our humble receiving. And then he uses humble and ordinary people to advance his cause. Depend on him in prayer and allow him to use you no matter how ordinary you feel. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And God, I just pray by your mercy and by your grace. I know we got a lot. We could say so much more about that. So God, I just, it's on my heart 
to just pray. We, we could go through every name there. We could, we could see how, we, we could anticipate, Jesus, what you said on the mount. God, we could, we could look to, to how great you are and, and God, how you make up for where we lack. It's all over the scriptures. But God, I just pray that you would just do the work that you've come to do today. And in the hearts of these people in this room, I pray that you would make a people see your humble sacrifice, that you would saved us through your humble sacrifice. And I pray that today people in this room would humbly submit their lives to you, receive your gospel and be saved. And then God, I pray for those of us in this room who have already trusted in your salvation, God, but are waiting to be used by you or feel inadequate. God, I feel, I feel like we need to see a greater purpose of our life. And I know, God, that you are calling us into something great. I pray that the people in this room today would look to you in dependence, in prayer, and God, that they would trust in you to use their ordinary lives, that they would step out in faith and allow you to use their ordinary lives to accomplish your mission. We thank you for how you show us this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.